Hands down, one of the best parts of being a kid was pouring a big bowl of cereal first thing in the morning. But these days, I'm really aiming to cut down on all those carbs, and especially the sugar. So I've mostly given up cereal. That's where Magic Spoon comes in. Magic Spoon is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and there's only 140 calories a serving. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter, and the pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs. Magic Spoon is amazing, simply put. It tastes exactly like regular cereal from childhood, but unlike those sugary calorie bombs, it's super nutritious. It's delicious but healthy cereal that really brings joy to your mornings. Go to magicspoon.com BGA to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code BGA at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com BGA and use the code BGA to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 382, Gen Con Preview for 2022. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back, and we are back talking about the new, the big, the improved Gen Con 2022 and all the little fun gifts it'll bring us Pretty soon, right? It's coming up. Yeah. Yeah, we got uh, one of you guys listening to this. A week and a half before Gen Con. Okay. So, yeah, next week, a lot of you will be there. We, unfortunately, cannot make it this year. But watching from afar, we Aww. will be telling you all the games that we would be tracking down and playing and buying and asking about. <laughs> Were we there? And, you know, we'll be reviewing these in the months to come, of course. So we Gen Can't. Yeah, we Gen Can't this year. <laughs> we, can't, we Gen Can't this year, even though we Gen Want To. So... There you go. <laughs> this this is us living vicariously through all of you who will be at the convention and maybe hopefully convincing some of you to go out to Gen Con. I think we were recently talking about how much fun over the years we've had at Gen Con and the really wacky, amazing kind of experiences out there. There's a lot of conventions. There's a lot of great conventions. If you want to game, you can game anywhere. You know, game at your friend's house, game at a local store, just get a, you know, go down to a small convention. But when you go to Gen Con, Gen Con's significantly different. It's it's definitely turned up to 11, and there's just a lot of craziness. I'm not saying it's better than any other convention, and we've already talked about that, but I think that certainly the spectacle is up, and everything around that is kind of heightened as well, and the wackiness is up to, I don't know, 42? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a lot happens. It's a big spectacle. Honestly, it's the only convention we go to where we almost never play games. Yeah. Which a lot of people, every time we tell people that, they're like, oh, why do you go then? Like, it's not why you go to Gen Con. If you're only going to Gen Con to play games, you don't really need to go. Sure. Go somewhere else. Like Chris said, you, there's a million places you can go to play games. I mean, I shouldn't. You, you do you. But um, it just it's it's hard to relax. It's, it's overstimulating. It's, it's hard to just sit down and be like, let's just play a game and relax. Does not happen very often. No, it's... Yeah, the, it, it definitely has that vibe of you should be doing something right now, even though you're still doing something. Right. So sitting still at a table to play a board game is a little difficult. But again, you know, you can play a board game in Lucas Oil Stadium, at least yeah. in the past. Did that. That was fun. And there's just a, a bunch of wackiness happening in all the different hotels in the area. And it's a big area. There's a lot of hotels and they're very scattered. So it's always fun and unusual to see random people you know, checking in around you at a hotel that's like, I don't know, however, 15, 20 minutes, a half hour away and like a stack of board games with them. Like, that's my people. They're here too. I (laughs) see them. They're right over there. (laughs) We're all together. And it's been been in Indianapolis long enough that people there aren't like, oh my God. They're just like, oh, welcome gamers. Yay, gamers. You buy things. (laughs) Except for uh, airport security that get a little heightened when they scan something. They're like, do you have like, a thousand bullets in there, like dice. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, why would you have so much dice in there? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I didn't overbuy things. I didn't obsess of it. No, 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 no. And they open it up and they see all the dice. It's like, yeah, yeah. You bought dice. I bought dice. I bought a lot. That actually happened to me too. And that's the funny thing because when you pack to leave, if you're taking a flight, you got to pack super tight. Like this is those situations where you unbox things and you, you punch the cardboard because it's a weight limit and a size limit. And then you get too many bones, which has all that plastic, yeah. all those dice in there. And it, I'm sure it shows up like 15 different colors of the rainbow. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm not the first. I'm sure I'm not the last, but it, it certainly does happen. So we'll be talking about that in on our feature review. So uh, stick with us. I think we'll have some great games to take a look at and hopefully if you go, check those games out. And if you don't, you know, let us know so we can talk about those games as well. It's just a lot of fun times out there. And just for a second, I want to talk about um, a friend that I recently lost, Vern, who was one of my game friends at one of our game nights. And even before that, a couple months earlier, a different friend of mine was saying, you guys have all these friends. You know, you go to these game nights and all these people. And I was saying, well... They're friends, but kind of more acquaintances because you really don't see people in their private lives. You don't hang out with them outside of gaming. And it's funny how after years or just after gaming, there's something about board gaming that allows you to kind of connect. Like I think generally people think about that as like food when you share a meal together. And I think that's also true about board games. Something about board games sitting down at the table and sharing that kind of experience together whether it's cooperative or competitive or both or throughout the time and experiencing that kind of joy and that really kind of tight circle. It's not like going to a ballpark where it's just like excitement. This is excitement, but it's connective and quiet at the same time. So um, when we lost Vern, it was interesting and it was heartbreaking because you don't realize how much people become friends and family just through board gaming. And you realize that the thing that they share is time. And time 
is the only thing that can't be recovered. So sharing time is probably the most valuable thing you can do because you can remake money, you can recover your health, but time has value. So for everyone who's shared time at our table and for you who's shared time on the podcast, thank you for being our friends. All right, so let's talk about what all our friends are talking about. What's our question of the week? Our question of the week this week, we asked everybody, have you ever discovered you're playing a game incorrectly and decided you preferred the incorrect way over the correct rules? So whether through pure stubbornness or uh, it's actually a better way to play the game. Vigard says, Hadrian's Wall. I thought not building the medium and large granary only limited the mining and foresting tracks. That way the game was a nice challenge, but actually possible to win. David mentions, since playing Arc Nova, when I play Wingspan now, I don't get people to choose their end-of-game bonus cards until later. Also, we either draft cards or draw more and discard cards. That sure. helps mitigate a poor initial draw. That's true. That's, that's heartbreaking when you get a bad draw like that to start the game, and you're just like, and now two more hours of misery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes you're like, it's a challenge, I'm going to break my way out of it. But you, the back of your head, you're like, I know I'm going to lose this game now. Uh, <laughs> so. That's very psychologically healthy of you, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> Some, I said sometimes. I said sometimes you think that way. Um, Charlie says, the first time I played Can- Clans of Caledonia, it was solo. The market fluctuations are controlled by dice when playing solo, but not in multiplayer game. Uh, of course, I forgot this the next time I played it. I realized after the fact and corrected for the next time my group played, all in all, we ended up liking the randomness of dice in the market more than not. So sure. that, that's a game where, yeah, when you buy and sell stuff, the market adjusts accordingly, yeah. which makes sense. But if you're playing solo, you just roll a die and it moves just whatever direction the dice tell you to. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting. That, that would throw add some random luck to a game that doesn't really have any. Uh, Thomas says, and this is going to break the game for me, uh, Thomas says, yep, love letter. We ignore the rule that you can't use a guard on a guard. That's so weird. Yeah. Because th- there's so many guards in the game. Yeah. So, so that's almost unfair in a way, like, because the, the, the guard is a one-level power. So when you play love letter, there's a lot of opportunities where, like, you can get knocked out because you're the lower number. Now, whether you play this base game or the other one, but that's weird. Yeah. It is weird. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a comment here, too, saying... Uh, that seems like having a garden hand would be a terrible liability. Then. Yeah, because the Baron with the number three card comes out and it compares two cards. So if you're if you're holding, you're done. But it's but Love Letter is a little bit weird like that where you could just get two initial cards. Let's say you get the Princess and you get a Baron. You're like, I win automatically. Like, you right. can't be stopped. So, right. yeah, I guess if it works for you, let it roll. Yeah, no, have fun. Point of games is have fun. If you're having fun, who is cares? That, is that the point of games? It's the, that's the point of games. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I've been doing it wrong this whole time. It's the speech I give my son every time we play a game. Jack, you don't need to win. It's just to have fun. <laughs> um, Steven says, Carcassonne, get your next tile as soon as you finish your turn and start to plan your next turn. 100% agree. Yeah, none of this at the start of your turn pick that's, a tile. That's, that is such a weird non-rule. Yeah. I could, you need time to plan, and why are you holding the game up? Like, it's not poker. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, why would it matter when you get the tile either? You can't play it until it's your turn either way. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, Iger said, we are playing Llama incorrectly since we started, uh, and we like it more that way. At, only after some 10 plays did they discover that the end of round rules are different, and we're playing them both the wrong way. Uh, so you mentioned a few different things that they did here incorrectly. 
first. After one player has played all of his cards, we do not end the round immediately, but let the remaining players continue playing without drawing new cards. Whereas normally you would just end. Yeah. Uh, the same applies to anyone quitting the round. Remaining players can play cards, but are not allowed to draw new cards. The correct rules allow players to draw new cards if there are two or more remaining players. So, and then in this case, Igor's mentioned they tried with the correct rules, didn't have as much fun. And sure. that's the point. Have fun, right? All these people are always yelling at everybody else about playing Monopoly wrong or playing Scrabble wrong. It's like, you know what? If it's fun for them, let it go. To be fair, I mean, maybe that's the biggest rule change that people should make or have made because how many games actually tell you in the rule book just to have fun, right? There's yeah. like, what's, you know, this wins you the game or this is the winner, this is the loser, this is the people who get eliminated from the game as you play. Right. I mean, maybe there needs to be some of that kind of reinforcement in the rule book because, again, there are a lot of games out there, like we played over the years, like Concept, where it has scoring. And you're like, that's ridiculous. There should never be scoring in Concept. Right. So, because you want to have fun with it, and once you put a scoring into certain circumstances, even though if you don't care about winning, it still kind of pulls you in a way. Because right. how many times do we play games? And I think we had this over the last couple of days where it's like, I could do a thing, but that's not fun. Right. And it's just like, but I'll win. And like, oh, it's know. not fun. Yeah, you want yeah. to play the way that's the most fun for you. And some people, it would be fun to destroy each other. Yes. And they would both have fun with that. We would Those not. people are in Congress. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, we played Cora last night, uh-huh. and it, it you choose a start player at the beginning of the, t- the game, and it doesn't change. That's weird. And it's it came up, and we looked it up, and that's the way it is. And it gives somebody an immense advantage in military yeah. stuff where it hurt you. It did. And I think going forward playing that game, probably you just rotate the first player marker. It just didn't make any sense because so many other games purposely go out of their way to mitigate that first player, you know, issue. Like if you're a first player, you're going to get the choice of always everything, the best of everything. Right. So other players get more money or go get more resources. And that was not a thing here. And it also is like, it's unnecessarily weird. Why wouldn't you just do it? It has rounds. It's not like it doesn't have rounds. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it's the only thing where player count matter or player order matters. Everything else can be done simultaneously, but it still matters. So that's a thing probably if we play that again, we sure. just change it because it's better that way. Yeah. So a lot of interesting rules. Glad you all are having fun, which is the purpose of all these games. And again, you know, we have had the privilege of talking to so many designers and publishers over the years, talking about Gen Con, I guess, in, in some respects, and learning about their process and their gameplays and their testing and things like that. And I, I think... I don't know, nine times out of 10. I mean, every once in a while, someone's got everything nailed down perfectly. But I think most times they will tell you that there's never enough game testing. You, right. can't, you can't play test a game enough. You can't see every combo enough. Right. And there's just cards that will break a game or there's situations where, oh, they just didn't think of it. You know, and I, I know like we, we just were recently talking about Dune Imperium and that game bugs the hell out of me <laughs> because you cannot refresh the market. And the whole thing, the whole fun about that game is it's a deck builder. So having the opportunity to be able to get two house cards that are like-minded together, that's fun. It plays into the theme of, of Dune. And then there's like nothing on the board and you can't even spend money to get rid of it, which is kind of a general thing that most games do. Yeah. I think next time we play that, we'll be like, just spend two of your total resources. Something. Yeah. Like, maybe you could buy two cards and then you can only buy one, but you can wipe them off. Just because you want to see the other cards. And then, like, they recently talked about a new expansion that's coming out. And it's just, like, that deck is going to be huge. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and, and uh, Terraforming Mars had that problem too, where you like, oh, you benefited from floaters or something. Cool, here's a giant deck that you will oh, never yeah. get through. Well, that's an easy solution. Don't use that expansion. <laughs> <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> so that's everything that our friends are talking about. But let's first talk about what our friends are talking about over in Europe. Anthony, we had a little Spiel des Jahres. Yeah, the Spiel des Jahres was announced uh, on the June 16th. They started doing it on the weekend, which is fun. So all us normal people in, in North America can actually watch it if we want. It used to be in the evening on a Friday. So it was like 2 in the morning here. But now it's... 10 a.m. in Germany on a Saturday. Um, I mean, you have to know German, so that's not it's not in English. Um, and it was it was an interesting year this year. I feel like most years we talk about the Spiel des Jahres and we're like, well, I don't know. It's it's such a light game. It's such a party game. It's good, but it's just not for us. But this year, at least for me, the game they chose to win the Spiel des Jahres is my favorite game of 2021. So I was super psyched. Cascadia, which I still have not played. What? Come on. <laughs> Why didn't I bring this with? Um, all right. So, yeah, we got to fix that. <laughs> so this is from Randy Flynn, Flat Out Games, and then Renegade uh, distributes it as well. And it is a, an abstract game where you are sure. placing different types of animals from the Pacific Northwest, where I'm from, which is the reason I got this game originally, but yeah. then I fell in love with the mechanics. And you're placing them on these different tiles, and you're scoring based on a few different things. It's a very straightforward abstract game right i could teach this game in five minutes it takes 20 to 30 minutes to play you can play solo version it's very replayable there's many different permutations of scoring cards it's a lot of fun it's very simple and it is exactly the kind of game that the spiel committee says that they want <laughs> sure. to win um rule book's great so yeah i i don't remember what episode but i reviewed this probably about a year ago, uh, so you can go back and listen to that, but it was a, a raving buy, and I've played it probably 30 times since then. It's very, wow. very good. No, this is great. It, this fits in line, I think, with most of their other worthy winners in this class, and I'm happy to see that, and again, happy to see that we got a different kind of theme, too. It's not just another bunch of European kings and queens doing a thing because like this this game is abstract as you said yeah so it could have almost been anything at that point so right it's good that they 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 made an attempt to integrate a different theme so you feel like you have something different at the table yeah absolutely it's and it, it's already ranked number one in abstract crazy on board game That's geek crazy. it's been out for a year um it's just so cool like I like these ecosystem themes because yeah. you're not you don't have to feel weird about anything and you know some people I feel weird about certain things in games right and that's me that's my thematic <laughs> but having animals migrate across the sure. Pacific Northwest into the river, that's just cool. It's fun. It's cute. It reminds me of home. So. And, and I think that's one of those kind of like lessons that people can learn. I know it sounds somewhat obvious, but I think people think animals live in like one little spot in a mm. forest and like they live in that forest. It's like, nope, they move all over. Yeah, they live all over. Like the all over is their home. So it's not just one little spot. So right. yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, no, this, I was. I don't think I've been this excited about a win for the Spiel in a while because it means more people are going to play this game. Yes. So hopefully it ends up in Targets and Walmarts and everywhere else. And I'm looking forward to not being able to find it. <laughs> I know, now that it's out. <laughs> it's going to be out of stock everywhere and awesome. Yeah, Can't wait. I think it already is, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so the other game, which uh -huh. is also hard to find now because it won, but we all have, we already have copies of this. We do. We have both played this. Yes. Uh, is Living Forest won the Kenner Spiel this year. And we played this early. We played this at PAX Unplugged. We did, and kind of randomly. We were wandering around. 
it was like 10 o'clock at night. We we're wandering around in the first look area. Uh-huh. And we just ran into one of the people working there, one of the volunteers. And we're like, game? Game? And she's like, this is a good game. We're like, okie doke. Yeah. Um, and it was. We were. This was like one of the two or three that we came home saying, that was really good. Yeah, it was really we, good. We both went out and bought it. We did. Uh, and then it won the Kennerspiel. Yeah. So there you go. And again, it had another, again, this is a, the Kennerspiel is always weird throughout the years of covering this, that we always hope that the game will be worthy of a strategy kind of award. And it almost never is. So it's pretty light, yeah. And this was when we sort of packed some plugs and immediately taken by the artwork, which is very whimsical and it's nature-based again, but also it's got that kind of mythical kind of quality to it. And... You sit down, you play it, and again, it's one of those situations where if you haven't played any board games, this is going to be a lot, right? Yeah. But if you've played other board games, then you're like, oh, okay, so you got some deck buildings, you got some press your luck. We know so many games that do those those things, like all those games out there right now where they're putting those things together. And again, you have that little grid. So it has a lot of mechanics we've seen other places, which makes it really accessible for someone who's already in board gaming, but it does all of those things really well. And again, the artwork and the dynamics of the gameplay is a lot of fun. It's, you know, 2.22 as far as weight is concerned. I think that's about right. Maybe I would put it up to 2.5 because I, I, I do think that there's a lot of things to, to keep your eyes yeah. on. Yeah, I think that's the key here. I think what you said is perfect because... It is all very familiar for us. Yes. We played it and we're like, oh, we can play this with families. It's very light and accessible. <laughs> but I tried bringing this to my classroom and the students were like, what the hell There's is this? There's a lot of things to track. The cognitive load is high. It is. And you're learning like four new mechanics at once. Yeah. If you've not done anything. So it's not a good introductory game, which yeah. makes it perfect for the Kenner spiel. Yeah. So. I, I still don't think, I still think 2.22 is low. I, I would say so, yeah. Because if you want to play well at this game and if you're playing with other gamers... You, you really have to think. Yeah, because you have to track all of... There's multiple ways to win the game. Yeah. And just that is that is a cognitive load. And then there's other... You have to track all of those, not just for yourself as you're building them, whether on right. the cards or the flames or the forest. But you have to do that for everybody else. Yeah. How many of that did they buy? How many trees or how yeah, close yeah. they are for that? Did they get enough water? And, you know, that round, where am I in, where am I in turn order? Am I going to be able to put out the flames? But... You know, I have to be careful because if I buy too many cards and I'm not set up to put the water out the next round, then I'm giving someone a chance to win the game. So there's a lot of moving parts. None of it is really challenging, but it's a really good game. And, I, and I'm really glad to see that a game of this quality got out there. So excellent. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic game. Um, if you can find it, pick it up. Both of these, if you can find them, pick them up. Absolutely. And whatever the Kinderspiel is that we don't know or can't pronounce, and yeah. it's probably... Again, based upon what the Spiros Yards, you know, typically is, it's like, it's always a game, a good game. Yeah. No, it's always good. <laughs> it's always good. And we'll hear about it later, but it's always, like, there'll be, like, three games listed, and it'll always be the one that nobody can pronounce. That's right. In German. <laughs> so, it's, I think, it, well, this one translates to Magic Mountain. That's oh, not terrible. Okay. So, <laughs> Zauberberg in German. I can't do that. Oh, all right. that's that's manageable. I think for the first time. Sometimes what was the one with the ghosts where it was like, oh my god, four or five words. And yeah, tw- <laughs> yeah, and it translates. It's hard to say in English too. Ghost fighting treasure hunters. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's uh, it's great. No, but again, congratulations to all the winners. Fantastic games across the board. If you haven't played them, highest recommendations to play all of them. Um, they were their buys for us. They should at very least be plays for all of you out there. And I think it's a it's a lot of fun to get table, especially the kid one too. Again, I I always like again like you said translation issues or whatever else. Like if I wanted to play a game with kids, that would always be the list I would go to. Right. Because in America. There's so much branding and so much stuff out there from Hasbro and everybody else. It's like, no, I should go there. Right. Because they, they typically know what they're doing. Or, I don't know, get a game in a yellow box. Yeah, because... just, that's it. Just buy a Hobbit game. They're all good. <laughs> it's just like they know how to do educational stuff that's actually fun. So right. if you have kids, you should probably have a you know a closet full of yellow box games. <laughs> I do. And if you have young kids... And want some yellow box games. My kids are getting older. So. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Got to get rid of these things. Sounds good. All right. So that's what everything that's happening with the Spielers Yaris. Anthony, we get to do the fun stuff of the year. It is our feature review. And we are talking about, I guess it's the hotness in some ways. Or the Gen Con hotness. Or maybe we shouldn't even mention hotness these days because it's really way yeah, too yeah. hot. I know. It's triggering. Yeah. Uh, Gen Con 2022 preview. So... Hey, Anthony, are there going to be games at Gen Con? <laughs> and are they going to be good? Yeah, usually. Usually. <laughs> so we, I There's mean, never been a bad game coming from Gen Con. Not one. Not ever. one. No, never no, happened. No, we, we definitely bring on 50 games a year, and we love every single one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, we don't play games at Gen Con. We buy and we receive a lot of games for review. And that's, that's what we do. We just, Maybe we play one or two. Just, well, you should play one or two. Yeah, something small. Or demo something. And like get, yeah. get one round of a game that you could never possibly abstractly visualize what the rest of the game might look like or play out. Yeah. And you're just like, did you enjoy it? And like, I don't know. I moved my meeple from one square <laughs> to the other. And then you told me my demo was over. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we have a line. I'm like, I don't know. Like, a line wanna... for what? This is terrible. <laughs> I'm going to go tell them it's terrible. <laughs> I got the media badge, though. Listen. All right, Anthony. So what do you have up for us? All right. So we're going to go through. We always do this kind of the lazy way um, because we're lazy. <laughs> wow. It is it is hot outside, to be fair. Yeah. No, no, no. no. But this is probably the most effective way. I don't mean lazy in that, in that sense. I mean, like, we're using other people's hard work and crowdsourcing and all that information. And again, there's hundreds and hundreds of games that come out at these conventions every year. Like, there's already 450 on the Gen Con preview on Board Game Geek. Typically, there's like 800 new games released every year. Mm -hmm. We can't go through all those because it's just too much stuff. Um, some of these are on Kickstarter, have been on Kickstarter, so we have some information. There are a bunch of games on here that I'm looking forward to, and I know you're looking forward to, that we're skipping over because we've already talked about them like 10 times. Yeah. Um, lots and lots of stuff that'll be on sale or previewing at Gen Con that we've kind of already gone over a bunch because that's how Kickstarter works these days. Sure. Like half the booths there are just showing Kickstarter games. Which... Just the minor, the minorest of notes. That's kind of sad. It is. Going through this list this year, and I don't know if it's pandemic related or if that's just how things are now, nothing really jumped out at me. It's like, oh my gosh, the big game of Gen Con. I'm just like, well, that's on Kickstarter, that's on Kickstarter, that's shipping yeah. in December. Like, games don't come out in the summer anymore because they come out when they get here from, yeah. from China. And they just ship whenever. And so we have games releasing all year, which is cool. But we don't really get that big, exciting drop of stuff in yeah. August anymore. The drop doesn't really happen. The drops happen a year and a half ago, or something like yeah. that. Or so you see the you see the boots, and there it's like, hey, this is previewing. It'll be coming up in the future. Or right. this already. What what really breaks is your heart. It's like 
when you play a demo and you're like, this is excellent. Can I get this? And they're like, it was on Kickstarter like two months ago. And you're like, oh, so can I back it, buy it? And they're like, oh, no, that was that was an exclusive thing, the, the thing and the thing. And you're like, then why are you here? <laughs> it's like, you're mean. I'm, I'm going to go cry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like you're just here to spite people at that point. You didn't back our stuff. Yeah. Like, why are you paying thousands of dollars for a booth if you can't sell your game? Well, I guess that's that's the reason, right? You, yeah. get, you get to go there and go like, look, I created this awesome thing. You cannot have it. Yeah, it's, it's more for networking. Than anything. <laughs> I'm going to build new relationships and prep my next Kickstarter by doing this. Yeah. And all these people who want to buy my thing, oh, well. Um, okay, starting to sound a little bitter. That's not the point of this. this no, look, look you, we want to be at Gen Con. Yeah. We're just saying. Yeah. So... I don't know if you got free hotel, free flight, free food, free drink, free, <laughs> free passes. Well, you know, we're not going to say no. No, that's what we're going to say. Yeah, through the next week. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of great games on here, so don't get me wrong. There are like two or three on here that I'm legit super no, they're excited all great. for. Yeah, just to have them there, Anthony. I, I need to buy these. Well, that's another question. Okay. So let's kick it off with we're going to go down by the hot rating, which is the number of thumbs on Board Game Geek, which is not a perfect system because people can game that a little bit oh, but it, it, it averages out pretty well so we're going to go through the ones people are talking about and then some of the ones that we are specifically excited about so this is a filtered list so we have curated a little bit i'm not that lazy um <laughs> all right so first up we got the red cathedral contractors uh it's from devere's from israel c and shay s uh this this game kind of popped up out of nowhere a couple years ago the red cathedral did you have a chance to play this i did not okay it's like a small little box game, and we played um, Shinkansen, the Zero uh, Japanese Rail Card yes, game. Yes, that, right? that was good. Same designers. Oh. Um, same size box, little box, like a $30 game, and you're building a cathedral. And it's a very fun, engaging little puzzle. So, this is an expansion for that where you're now completing different contracts while you're building the cathedral. Nice. So, you're multi track, multi tasking. Yeah, it's a very good company, and, and their prices are reasonable. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's one that I'm going to pick up when it's available. It's available at Gen Con if you want to buy it there. Nice. So, you know, do that. Do it. <laughs> if you want to. Do it. <laughs> uh, another one that has been announced, and that, this is one of those games I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to buy this, but I don't know why it exists. And maybe it'll be <laughs> successful. I don't know. Uh, so it's the 25th anniversary of Twilight Imperium. Uh-huh. And so when G- Fantasy Flight's been making a big deal of this all year, and so, like, back in February, people were like, oh, are we getting, like, a new expansion? Are we getting a new upgrade? Are we going to get another game in that universe? And, you know, they kind of trailed us along for a while. And eventually, they're like, yes, a new game in the universe. And we're like, yes, maybe they're re- maybe remaking Rex or something. No. Twilight Inscription. It's Twilight Imperium Roll and Write. Nope. Designed by James Niffen. And <laughs> it's a one to two hour Roll and Write for one, uh. for one to eight players. Um. Does Twilight Imperium translate into extensively long? <laughs> I guess so. Like, is, is that the translation we're missing? I mean, every game with that theme has had been successful. I do like long. the idea of Twilight Inscription as a roll and write, right? As a write, right? You're writing. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Because you're inscribing. That's a good, see, good see? pun. Good ah, pun. See? Um, yeah, so that's coming. We don't know when that's going to ship. They might have copies there. They might not. Fantasy Flight never tells us what they're going to have. <laughs> but they did say they will have demos there. So if you're going to be there and you want to check this game out, you can go play it. You can sign up through the Gen Con portal, play a demo, and actually play the game. Uh, I'll buy it. I will review it on the show later this year because it's a roll and write, and it's Twilight Imperium, and those are two... That's peanut butter and jelly for me, but I'm not... I feel like I should be more excited about this than I am. And maybe it's just because I'm roll and write fatigue after 10 years of these, but I don't know. Two hours for roll and write so much. Uh, all right, next up is a game that 
will probably be there. Uh, I haven't seen specific confirmation, but several people have mentioned it uh, probably as a demo. It's an Essen release. So if they bring copies, they bring copies. If they don't, this is what happened at PAX. Devere brought copies of Botoku. Nobody knew it was going to be there, but they had a bunch. So Lacrimosa. Uh, this is a game about the uh, Wolfgang Mozart has died, and his he's composed his Opum Requiem, the Lacrimosa movement, on his deathbed, and you now have to figure out how to get that funded and put it on. Right? Nice. So it's a cool theme. It's yes. different. It's very different. Love it. I love musical themes. There's so few of these. And, and that's Devere too? Devere. Oh man, Devere's doing a thing. I know. <laughs> so super excited about that game. Um, wish I got, could be there and get a chance to see it. As it is, because it'll come out at Essen, we'll probably get a copy next spring. <laughs> uh, all right, next up we got Korra Quest. This is a fun story. I, I don't know if the, what the game is like, but it was on Kickstarter, um, I believe, at one point. Um, and this was designed by Dan Hughes, um, who's been on several podcasts, and Korra Hughes, his daughter. So they sure. worked together, they made this game. It's a cooperative dungeon crawling game. It's designed for young children. Like it says five and up. So, and it's cute little artwork. This is definitely this kind of thing that I would like to play with like my daughter. I think she'd have a lot of fun with this. So nice. like if I was there, I would probably pick this up. Yeah, it looks cute. Uh, Septima will be available to demo at Gen Con. Nice. The recent Kickstarter from Mind Clash Games designed by Robin Hegedus. Already backed it. Yep. So who cares? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I would love to try it out. Yeah. I did not back it. I will play your copy when it comes in. Sure. Uh, I'm very selective now with my Mind Clash purchases because I've been burned a couple times by games I didn't like. Uh, they're all great. I just sometimes I don't like them. Yeah. It's it, their games are always very big. Yeah. I think this is the one game that they purposely made a little bit lighter and simpler. Yeah. So it was almost the opposite in this case. Like the last game that came out was a Preference. Perseverance, Perseverance yeah. that came out, and I was as like, big as it gets. I was just like, uh, I can't even wrap my brain around this. Yeah. This was like, this is very small, and I'm like, okay, cool, I'll back this because I like the theme and I like a lot of things about it. But I, it also runs into the other Kickstarter problem I tend to have, which is, is this too small for too much money? Right. But we'll let you know that at some point. Yeah, you get a nice review, and uh, they're great. They don't tend to like load stuff up with Kickstarter exclusive, so you can get the game that they sold later. Yes. Which is cool. They're another good company. Yep. Uh, another game, and this one I think we're both really excited about. Yes. Right? Uh, Starship Captains from CGE. This one, it says demo on the uh, the preview. I have a feeling they might find a way to sneak some copies in, but who <laughs> knows with the cost of shipping these days. Um, it's listed as an Essen release, but it is going to be shown at the at the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks awesome. It's They keep doing this where they're like, let's take a theme that people love. Yes. You know, Diablo or Indiana Jones, and we'll yes. turn it into a really good Euro. Yes. This is Star Trek, the Euro. Yeah, CGE does a great job. I mean, they've always been a weirdly quiet company. Like, they just they put out games fairly infrequently or on, based on their own time schedule. But they're bangers. Every time yeah. they come out, they're bangers. And just like, oh, you really did that. So I guess, like we talked about earlier, about getting game, games like play-tested and really previewed and stuff like that. Uh, fantastic job. Really, really happy about that. Yeah, yeah. And they're really good at like going out and finding first-time designers. Right? Yes. This is Peter Hofgard. It's his first game. Lots of Varnak a couple years ago, first game. Like, yeah. how do you how do you keep doing this? <laughs> I mean, assuming this game is good. We don't know that yet. Uh, next up, we have, uh, this is going to be released from 25th Century Games, the new version of Raw. 
Ooh, another first-time designer. Yeah. <laughs> Ryder Knizia's 943rd game. <laughs> but only. Only. His only. Yeah. Game. Uh, this is the classic auction and set collection game. Uh, and That's really, it's like a pure, pure auction game. Yes. That's what you're doing. If you want an auction game, Raw is your game. Uh, I love this game, and I've never owned a copy, and every time I'm like, oh, I guess I should get that. It's out of print again. Yes. So I backed this on GameFound already. Nice. But if I hadn't, I would probably pick this up. This is my favorite auction game. Yeah, I think me too. Yeah, and, I, and I, again, it was one of those games where it hit the table, and I was like, I don't want to play this. Right. And then, and then I just got dragged to play it, and then I was like, oh, I like this. Yeah. And I did well at this, but I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and I, I, I think I, I bought one of the, I mean, the older version of it that was out somewhere for sale because I didn't own it. Right. And it's still in shrink because I haven't got a chance to play it. My copy, but I played so many people's other copies at this point. But it's something that's it's. If auction games are a little, you know, daunting for you, and you're you're a little unsure if you want to get in, this is a really good one to get involved with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's listed as demo on uh, the Gen Con website. If they have copies, though, I do recommend picking it up because I don't know what all stuff you can or can't get from the, the oh, crowdfunding yeah, campaign. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Planet Unknown. This is from Adam's Apple Games, Ryan Lambert, and Adam Reberg. Um, I want to say this was on Kickstarter, like everything else on his list. So it is for sale there. Um, and so we've, we've dealt with Adam's Apple games before. They had a game called Sword Crafters, where you built a little cardboard sword. Yeah. It was, it was a set collection game. Cute. But different. My gosh, my son loved that game. I I remember getting that. Yeah. It's like, what should we do with this? I think your son's going to like this a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can't play it anymore because he hit enough things with the sword. Oh, my God. <laughs> those cardboard bits are destroyed what, what a surprise uh-huh yeah the game is dead now but <laughs> uh, but this is a planetary exploration game it's a puzzle like game it has polyomino so it's not for you i'm sorry oh um, but and just a giant list of other mechanics uh, so this has been on a couple of our previews recently because again it was on kickstarter sure but they will have it for sale presumably for demo as well nice. i recommend checking it out because these guys do make really interesting games and they're not a bunch of nice guys too it's they're very nice yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Next up, we have Touring Machine. Mm-hmm. This uh, is a like it's got a cool cover, like punchboard type Love stuff, it. like old school computers. Very cool. Uh, it's a deduction game, so mm-hmm. you are trying to figure out the puzzle. Um, as the, the quote that they lead with is, "Codes are a puzzle, a game just like any other game." <laughs> From Alan Turing, which is perfect. Sure. So, uh, Fab- Fabian Grudel, Johan Levitt from La Scorpion Mask. Okay. So not. Not necessarily people that, or company no. that have heard of, but it is for sale there, so you can check it out. And honestly, that's the one of the best things about going to conventions is the one-time, first-time small publishers that don't yeah. get that kind of attention. And then you walk around the convention hall, and there's just gigantic boots that take up like a quarter of that aisle. And then there's little tiny, nothing little boots, and they have a good game. And you're like, yeah. I discovered something. That's the best part of the, the convention. Literally my favorite part of Gen Con. Yeah. It's going to that back right corner yes. where all the young companies are. And the little tiny boots back to back to back to back. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, that's where we met Clay. At oh, yeah. yeah. He was there with Arkwright and uh, Hospital Next. Yeah. We're geeking out about Hospital Next. That was so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Next up, we have Terracotta Army. This is Ooh. on most of the preview lists. Yes. This is a game that I'm very excited about. I would buy this if I was there. Um, it is for sale from Board and Dice, and it's about building the Terracotta Army. And it continues the tradition of tea games. Tea games! Yeah, I don't even know if that was on purpose, but I, they'll take I, it. <laughs> <laughs> you see, like, your first-time designers coming to them and, like, pitching the game. They're like, they don't really like this game. Like, what if it was the same game, but it was the letter T? That And they're like, 
done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, so this was designed by I'm gonna mess up these names, but uh, Presmuslav Fornal and Adam Kupinski. Kupinski is famously known for like Nemesis. He recently designed for Board and Dice Origins for his builders, which mm -hmm. we're gonna play soon. Um, lots of good stuff, and it just looks really pretty. Sure, and you get the little statues. That's awesome. The actual miniatures. Love it. Yeah. So this will be. I will own this soon, Mr. T. <laughs> Uh, a game that we've been talking about since the original came out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> theoretically for a while, you know, because... They, you know, he listens. He yeah. listens to the episode. It finally happened. Um, Sky Mines. This is the re-implementation of Mombasa in space where it belongs. <laughs> uh, so Alexander Spister's, I don't know, probably one of his best games. But... It's just, really hard, but yeah, this is... I mean, yes, the best, the best set of game mechanics. Yeah. And honestly, I would even argue one of the best games is just my game mechanics because the unique card play, I think, is so special. And I think that's what really stands out for it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm definitely going to pick this one up whenever. Um. <laughs> and again, if you've never played Mombasa, this is great. And if you, even if you have played Mombasa or own Mombasa, this is something you should definitely play and pick up because I think... If it's the same game with just a different theme, which again, it was such an abstract game to begin with, with some little problematic, you know, overtones. Uh, yeah, this is, yeah, this is excellent. Yep, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Uh, next up is a game that I'm actually going to review next week, probably, because I have a copy. I just got it. Teaser. Yeah, it's coming. Um, the Guild of Merchant Explorers. So this came out two or three weeks ago. I did get a copy in. And it's it's one of those roll and rights you don't realize is a roll and write until after you play it. Because mm -hmm. you flip cards, you take cubes, you put them on a map. Yes. Everybody gets the same card. You get <laughs> to make a decision together, right? So uh, it, it reminds me of like tiny towns where you don't really realize you're playing a roll and write until you're done. You're like, oh, that's what a roll is. <laughs> sure. It's a flip and write. Um, but the cool thing about this is like you expand out with your explorers and then you build permanent structures and then you reset the map mm -hmm. and then you do it again. Right, so you yes. go on a voyage, you come back, and then you reset, and you go out and do it again. And the, the box comes with like ten different maps, so there's a lot of different things you can play. Lots of interesting mechanics mixed in there. I had a tremendously good time playing this solo. Okay, I don't. I imagine it'd be identical playing with other people because there's no real player interaction. It is a roll and write, but super super cool. You find treasure, you flip little treasure tokens. Super cool. <laughs> so if you like that kind of game, definitely check this one out. I think you'll dig it. Uh, Acropolis. This is a, a game from Gigamic uh, Jules Massoud. And uh, this is a civilization, city building type of game. Uh, obviously, you know, ancient Greece timing. Um, and that seems to be like <laughs> those are the two types of games you get about ancient Greece. You're either building a city or you're building a civilization, but really what you're doing is building a military. Because <laughs> that's what all these mm -hmm. games do. Uh, so. It seems to be fairly straightforward. This one was crowd crowdfunded, I think, in Europe. I don't know if it was on Kickstarter or not, but it. Some people have copies, and have I know somebody back in Pittsburgh who has a copy, mm -hmm. but it's not releasing to the general public until the fall. So they'll have copies at Gen Con, at least for demo to check out. Uh, Great Western Trails second iteration, Argentina, <laughs> comes out this year. Uh, honestly, we're not the biggest Great Western Trail nope. fans. We've been over this. It just doesn't do it for me. I am a little interested to see what this one does differently, mm -hmm. that they think it warrants having a second version of the game, and next year we'll have a third version it of just, the game. It makes zero sense. I don't understand what the marketing ideas are here. Um, 
the base game was fine, but just fine. And then the expansion just made it for somehow worse. And it's really hard for an expansion to do it. And they did it. And then just like, why would you have three more versions of this? I, yeah, I don't know. But it adds a new type of worker, farmers. And uh-huh. you have different paths to go down. And you're in a different country. So those are all things. <laughs> a lot of people really love Great Western Trail. It is a good game. I understand why. Sure. Um, even if it's not for us. So this is a new version of that. Definitely worth checking out if that's something you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know what you think, because I don't know if we're going to try it out or not. It does have a solitary challenge in it, so there's a chance I get pulled into it. But No, I mean, just like his last game, I'm going to wait until this one goes to space. <laughs> what, are, what are you wrangling in space? The Milky Way? I don't know. Asteroids. Asteroids, yeah. comets. There you go. You know. Uh, speaking of space, uh, next one on the list is Peter McPherson's Wormholes. This is one of AEG's new releases for the year. And it is a game of space exploration. So new technology has just been invented, wormholes, and now you are picking up and delivering people to different locations through those wormholes. So it's a pick-up-and-deliver network-building game in space. This looks like it could have been a bus route game as well, but I like the space theme better. Space theme. <laughs> We're seeing a trend here. Because the space thing, it, it opens up a lot of different opportunities to do different things. Right. And different colors and different, you know, expansion ideas and opportunities throughout. So, yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. So, and there's a lot of good buzz around this. I know, I, I think it was maybe Shut Up and Sit Down or somebody was like, this game is great. You should check it out. So, yeah. I would definitely like to check this out mm-hmm. at some point. Um, so, a new trick-taking game that a friend of mine actually pointed out that I guess they had must have had a pack, so maybe they got an early copy, but... This is Cat in the Box. <laughs> uh, don't cause a paradox. Uh, right? So it's a trick-taking game with all one suits. Sure. makes it not a trick-taking game, right? Yeah. Except there's a player board or a board in the center of the table where you're going to select the suit of the card you played. And at any point in time, no one else can select that suit. So it creates these different potential paradoxes. Uh, that's fun. Um, Smart. It looks clever. It's got really cute, big-eyed black cat on the cover uh, it's from japan muniyuki yokuchi which i didn't know this but apparently trick-taking games in japan it's a whole thing oh wow there's I no idea. hundreds of them thousands of them it's a big big part of the board game industry over there so i want to check this out it looks really cool i like trick-taking games now for some reason it's weird though trick-taking games like you said you know you, you talk about hearts or spades you know it's just such a big genre of gaming and in the board game industry, there are trick-taking games, right. but they don't really have an established foothold in really anything. Like, oh, there's they're not their own thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, deck building, tableaus, and draft, all you know, all those other kind of stuff. This is like trick-taking. Like, yeah, that's something somebody else does. That's not right. that's not really this thing. So, but who knows? I mean, this is good that they keep trying to bring this back because iterations is good. Like, like again, like King of Tokyo. What is it? It's Yahtzee. Yeah, yeah, it's Yahtzee. <laughs> so, you know, trick-taking. And again, I remember, like, as a kid, playing, you know, Hearts a lot. And then that just, that game eventually just died for me. Yeah. And then these things bring it back, which is, again, ironic, Cat in the Box. But, yeah. So. Right, yeah. It, it's almost, it reminds me a little bit of, like, the 18xx genre, where there's a core mechanic. Yes. Every game has it. And every new game is like, but also this. But also, but this. also this. Yeah. And all these different trick-taking games are, it's a trick-taking game, but also this. And also ladder climbing. And also there's a bidding sure. mechanic that does it this way. Like, And that's the fun part is like, well, what's the tweak and how fun is the tweak? Yeah, so you shouldn't throw that the genre, you know, 
maybe out with the bathwater kind of situation. Yeah, no, I, I famously early in my board gaming career hated trick digging games because yeah. the first four I played I didn't like. Yeah, and now I love them because I've played a lot of good ones. Absolutely. Um, all right, the the one game that I'm pretty <laughs> sure the two of us would like stampede in the door yeah, to get this if, would be it if we were there is Brazil Imperial. Yep. So Portal Games is picked it up it's finally coming up <laughs> north it's been out now for i think a year um everywhere else uh i mean it's, it's coming out of brazil obviously so then they have to get the licensing deals i think it came out in europe fairly recently and now it's coming to north america from portal games all of which is amazing because i want to play this stupid game <laughs> yeah uh it's designed by zay mendes uh originally published by meeple br and it is a civilization 4x exploration type of game set in brazil and imperial times but it's made by people in brazil it's not a bunch of french or german designers <laughs> making a game about somebody else's history that's cool it's just interesting it's a different perspective um and then mechanically the game just seems very fascinating right? yeah it's not a big four hour 4x game it's a couple hours long there's a lot of interesting mechanics involved with the tile laying and how you build out these different civilization components i, I really want to see how this plays and for those of you at gen con if you are big euro gamers 4xers you owe it to yourself to go track this down and tell us how it is. <laughs> so. Yeah, a lot of people have compared this to a Euro version of Scythe, which is weird because mm. Scythe is mostly a Euro, a Euro yeah. somewhat a hybrid, but mostly. But a lot of people have compared, done that comparison, and they like this better. Right. So that's that's exciting for me because I really like Scythe. So if it has some of that same mechanics where your own tableau, building that up comes into play and right. putting things out on the board, that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. Like in their description, they call it a Euro X game, which nice combining Euro games and 4X games. Which, I mean, there's other games that are like that. Like we just played Eclipse a couple yes. days ago. Eclipse is like that. It's a Euro game with 4X involved, right? So that might be more 2X, or yeah, know. that's true. It's a lot more. Not X many games that. have all 4Xs. <laughs> <laughs> they all claim to, and they're like, "Nah, you're 1.3X." <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not triple X, you're fine. Mm. Uh, all right, new game with Eno Tool artwork Ooh. and like different Eno Tool artwork. Oh, it looks very interesting. Um, this is Fit to Print from Peter McPherson and Flat Out Games. Flat Out Games again made Cascadia, so mm -hmm. it's got animals because that's kind of their thing um, animals and plants. Uh, this is a game about animals trying to run a newspaper, I think. <laughs> so, seems cool. You're in Thistleville, it's a bustling little town. You're an editor of a local paper and you're trying to tell stories. Uh, the cover is all these different animals. You know, one's a reporter, one's a photographer. There's people around town. Uh, it's a abstracty pattern building type of game because most of those flat out games are. Sure. And I don't know, it looks really cute. I, I don't think it's for sale. I think they're just previewing it, but uh, I'm super excited for this. This looks really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think, you know, too. You yeah. Know. Yeah. And different too. Like he's actually doing illustrations and, that's cool. Dude, he can give me a coloring book. I'm, I don't care. Like, <laughs> He's just solid. He's an instant buy. Yeah. Um, Castles of Mad King Ludwig Collector's Edition. They're going to have this at Gen Con. We don't know some things about this yet, right? I don't think they know some things <laughs> about this yet. Like, their supersized edition, how many six-foot tables will they need to actually get this fully played? Right. It, there's a reason they haven't showed us yet. I know. They're like, oh, <laughs> snap. People can't play this game. So. If you want to buy an add-on, there's a 30-foot table that you can get with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we know Castles of Mad King Ludwig. We've reviewed this. We've talked about it for years. Yeah. It's been out for eight eight years, I think. I own all the things for this that are not the, kick, the recent Kickstarter. Yeah. So, But you'll be able to see the full version. 
I believe from space. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I believe they'll have copies. Um, if not, you can definitely try it out or at least see how big it is. So yeah, I mean, if they really have this set up, and even if someone, even if you can't get to play it, right, you should go see it because again, the size is supposed to be just huge. And then if they show the super size, which they may not, but if they do so show the super size, which was insane of a thought. But if they do, then definitely go see it. I mean, it's almost like big enough for like a D&D campaign. Like if you had to, yeah. if you had to make a castle in there, you could, you could put the miniatures on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Fall of the Mountain King. This is the prequel to Hall of the Mountain King. Oh, boy. So this is about how the trolls got driven from their mountains long ago. Everybody was asking about that. They were wondering how that happened. Really? So, oh, yeah. I'm glad they finally addressed it. you got to go back. you got to fill in all of the lore gaps. Oh, man. Every single lore gap. <laughs> we don't need to do any more prequels. Come on. <laughs> um, this was on Kickstarter a year ago. Yes. So it's getting ready to ship now. And, you know, they'll be have it there at the con so you can take a look at it. Um, designed by Adam E. Dalton and Burnt Island Games. Um, Hall of the Mountain King was a clever, unique, uh, kind of relatively light yeah, Euro game. Very light. Yeah. So it's interesting. I'd like to see how they approach the sequel thing. Anytime a game, especially a Euro game, is just like, let's make this episodic, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if that works, because it doesn't often work. If it actually has something that carries over, then you got Ooh. me. If it doesn't, eh. Yeah, it's just, let's use the same theme and artwork. Yeah. Hunt for the Ring, War of the Ring. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, love that. Uh, First in Flight from Matthew O'Malley and Ben Rossett. Um, great designers. They've worked on a lot of things that I really enjoy over the years. I believe they've worked on Between Two Cities, Between Two Castles. Uh, Search for Planet X, not dice. <laughs> it's very fun. Uh, this is a push your luck deck building game about being the first to fly, right? So you will be the Wright brothers or Samuel Langley or some other flight pioneers, which they don't deem necessary to list on the box. Um, but a lot of people were working on this at the same time. The Wright brothers got there first in some ways. Uh, and yeah, you're building out a, a deck of cards and trying to succeed, right? So the push your luck element is is always fun. Um, it's from Artana Games, and it's coming out next year, I think. It's on Kickstarter. Paint the Roses from North Star Games. Mm-hmm. North Star Games has not <laughs> done a lot of games recently. Yeah, kind of I, went all in on Evolution a long time ago. I got a preview demo, super super crazy early thing, mm. such a long time ago with our friend Bruce, right, formerly right. from North Star Games, and it was such a weird because. You know what Paint the Roses refers to, right? Yeah, tell us some more. Yeah, but like specifically. Well, yeah, yeah chopping heads off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, and it's like, okay, so yeah. And you're like, and so what is this going to be? And they're like, a family game. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And you're being, I think, you know, being chased and such. Uh, right. I was like, this is weird. But they really did up, you know, a high level to the production here. Right. So. Again, if this is if this works for you, by all means. Cooperative deduction game. So sure. that's a very specific type of game for a very specific type of gamer. Um, I don't know. It looks interesting. It's something I would definitely want to go try out. I yeah. don't know. This is not a game I would just buy on sight unseen, but I would like to try it and see how it plays. That's great. Um, so Garpill Games, um, uh-huh. SJ McDonald and Zach Smith are back with a new game in the Circadians series, Chaos Order. Uh-huh. So this is a looks to be a big sprawling game because it's listing two to four hours. Yeah. And uh, like everything else, it was on Kickstarter at some point. So many people probably know a lot of information about this game already. But it looks interesting. I know Circadian First Order was a lot of yes. a lot of people really enjoyed I played that. that. 
Um, it's okay. And it's a science fiction war game, which is always fun to get outside of the sure. Earth confines, and it has a lot of different mechanics kind of mixed in there. Garpo games in general, some are great, some are okay, but they're all solid. Yes. Uh, right. Dom Pierre was a just absolute train wreck of a Kickstarter. <laughs> I think this barely raised enough money to get pr- produced, but they did produce the game. It is coming from R&R Games. You can buy it at Gen Con. It does look interesting, right? It's about French monks making wine, right? So any of these like farming, wine development, early Renaissance type of games are always interesting to see and play. And I would like to try it out. I didn't back it, so obviously I'm not that interested in it. But uh, it's a game that I've always wa- I thought looked interesting. So I'm glad it actually got made. And then last but not least on our list, our big giant list for the year, Catherine, the Cities of the Sarina. This is the, it was from DLP Games um, over in Europe, and then Capstone Games is bringing it to the US. I think this is Capstone's only big release for, at least for Gen Con. They might have a couple things, Terra Nova and stuff coming in the fall. But uh, this is a relatively light, quick, um, like Carthage, Carthago, like they sure. really said a few years ago. It's like a small, like 30, 40 box game, 30, 40, $30 $40 box game. This seems to be in that same ballpark. Um, and I don't know, it looks interesting. It's, it's two to four players you're playing in 18th, 18th century Russia. And, uh, it's kind of got a few different elements. There's, you know, root building where you're trying to connect these different elements of the map. Um, you're collecting sets, you're taking these various actions. Uh, the designer worked on some other interesting games like Vienna, Portal of Heroes, Cornwall. So, you know, anytime Capstone picks up a game, I'm interested because, Clay has good taste. It does. Uh, and so, yeah, this is a game I would definitely check out. I've not pre-ordered it, but I would definitely track it down and give it a go if we were there. Sounds good. All right, Anthony. So, any out of all of those games, anything you're most looking forward to, that one game? Uh, it's a tie for me between Brazil Imperial and uh, Terracotta Army. Okay. Um, Brazil Imperial only time because I, I think that one's going to be hard to get to the table. Get to find sure. four people for those couple hours. Terracotta, I can play by myself. <laughs> yeah, those two are really exciting. I would probably buy those if we were there. Sure. Um, Sky Mines, I'm really interested in as well, but, you know, I've played those mechanics. I know what yeah, I'm getting. Yeah, of course. So it's, it's, you know. And then Twilight Inscription is just, like, morbid curiosity. <laughs> like, I want to know why they did it or how they did it. But, sure. Uh, I'm not excited, necessarily. <laughs> yeah. I guess for me, I, I, somewhat of the same. Brazil is one I've been harping about for, like you said, a year at this point. Right. Uh, Catherine seems great. Yeah. So, and again, if it's something that plays well, and I think that Clay has a really good eye for Euro games. So if it's a Euro game that plays, you know, quicker, by all means, even better. So, yeah. So there's a lot of great stuff to check out at this year's Gen Con. So if you're heading down there, uh, please use our list. Let people know that we're helping them and getting them to the table. And we always love to hear more from you. So as the weeks come up, as Gen Con hits, Hit us up and let us know what you were able to check out, buy, and get to the table. All right, everyone. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll see all of you a seat at our table. Take care. Bye. See ya.